Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Rebellion. Of all the evils and sins of mankind, none carry greater consequence nor evoke a more serious reaction from God. That's because the target or object of all rebellion is authority, which comes from and signifies God himself. God's people Israel were caught up in acts of rebellion against God and his deputy authority on many occasions. The book of Numbers records the account of several progressive stages of rebellion, ultimately resulting in God's judgment and wrath being poured out in a very sobering display. The ongoing and progressive rebellion of Israel in the wilderness is again our topic on this life study from Numbers. Bob Danker has joined us for our fellowship today. Bob? Not light, easy stuff, but I appreciate that you're here to help us with it. It's very good to be here with you again, Chris. You're right. It's not light, easy stuff, but very enlightening and helpful to all of us. We saw the early stages of this rebellion when the people began first to murmur, then eventually they were openly complaining about their practical situation. They weren't happy with the food they were receiving. And then this was followed by a kind of rebellion within Moses' immediate family. Uh, His brother Aaron and his sister Miriam were caught up. And then among the people, following the report of the 12 spies, we had quite a fellowship the other day on that story that I think most of the Christians are familiar with. And now there's a very sharp focal point for the kind of spreading rebellion that we see in these more recent programs. It's all aimed squarely at Moses, whom we've seen again and again was the unique one that God had in that age to speak for him, and to lead his people. This is a pattern that has been repeated over and over in the centuries, isn't it? Yes. Uh, As you pointed out, Chris, here in the book of Numbers, the rebellions become more and more serious as we get further and further into the book. And now in chapter 16, we reach the point where the rebellion is directly against God's government and against those whom God has established as his deputy authorities to represent him in his government among his people. So you can see the level of seriousness in this particular rebellion. It's just startling when you consider these rebellions or this progressive continuing rebellion that we're seeing is following how many miracles, how many major events, how many major interventions by the Lord in a very miraculous way on behalf of the people, and yet still uh, rebellion lingers. It's a deep problem in us, isn't it? It is a deep problem. As you pointed out, even the miraculous things that God did for his people could not subdue the rebellion in their nature. Well, let's look at just a couple of the verses here. We're in chapter 16 of Numbers. I'm going to read, I think, the first three verses to give us the backdrop of this first portion. It says, Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took two men and rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 
250 leaders of the assembly who were summoned to the meeting, well-known men. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the assembly are holy, every one of them, and Jehovah is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the congregation of Jehovah? And then verse 4 gives us Moses' reaction. It says, And when Moses heard this, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and to all his company, saying, In the morning Jehovah will make known who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to himself, even the one whom he will choose, he will bring near to himself. Then the chapter, of course, goes on to describe how Moses had envisioned and God had instructed him that this uh, would be made clear. But let's get to Witness Lee. And we see the first portion of this progressive rebellion really beginning to spread. We come to another rebellion. This time, the rebellion was in a a much, much bigger scale. Involved more than 250 people. Firstly, we see the rebels. Korah, a descendant of Levi, of the same tribe as Moses and Aaron, serving God with them. They are right in the center of the encamping. And they are serving ones, the Levites, and they are the leaders among the Levites. Then Dathan and Abiram and On, the descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob who should have taken the lead among the sons of Israel according to their natural births. And then 250 leaders of the assembly, children from the congregation, well-known men. All these are the leading ones, right in the center of the administration. By this, you could see this kind of a rebellion spirit was spreading, right? I believe this time the rebellion was really some hardship to Moses and Aaron because this time the rebellion was fully against the center of the government. Bob, as we mentioned earlier, really this rebellion somewhat began with the rebellion of uh, Miriam and Aaron and Aaron got clear when he saw the judgment that befell his sister. Now we have 250 of the leading ones, the well-known ones among the children of Israel here. What's happening? Well, as uh, Witness Lee pointed out, the rebellion now is spreading. As you recall, back in chapter 11, the rebellion among the children of Israel began at the outskirts of the camp when people were murmuring against Moses, and God dealt with that rebellion. Later in the chapter, chapter 11, the mixed multitude among the children of Israel, those who didn't know whom they were born of, whether their ancestry was purely among the children of Israel or not, the mixed multitude among the people, they lusted after the foods that they had enjoyed in Egypt. And God had a way to deal with that rebellion. That wasn't so central. These first two were not so central. The third rebellion was rebellion of Miriam and Aaron. That came closer because Miriam and Aaron were Moses' relatives, and they were prophets whom God had raised up to speak for him. Moses was the spokesman of God directly. 
Miriam and Aaron also were prophets, but they were not God's oracle among his people. They rose up, and they wanted to be on the same level as Moses in speaking for God. Well, God dealt with that by causing Miriam to have leprosy. That was closer to the center of God's government, and the judgment of God on that rebellion was somewhat severe, but not so definite. Miriam didn't die. She didn't perish. But the fourth rebellion was in chapters 13 and 14, where the spies who had gone in to spy out the good land, 10 of them returned an evil report, and the whole congregation stood with these 10. That was a real rebellion against God. And here we have the fifth rebellion in chapter 16 of Korah, Dathan, Abiram, On, and 250 leaders of the assembly. And then finally, this rebellion spread to the entire congregation of the people of Israel. So this shows that the matter of rebellion in God's people can manifest itself in a progressive way, starting in a kind of a outskirts of the camp, then coming all the way into the center where God's government operated with Moses and Aaron. You can see how serious this rebellion was, how it challenged God's government directly among his people, because it tried to overthrow the deputy authority, Moses and Aaron, whom God had appointed to represent him in his government among Israel. And Chris, it's it's very instructive to note Uh, what the nature of this rebellion was here in chapter 16, actually in chapter 12 with Miriam and Aaron as well, the very root of this rebellion was man's ambition for a higher position. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they were Levites. They were not priests. But here in chapter 16, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and they challenged them, saying that, In effect, why wouldn't they be able to be priests? They were Levites, but they were not priests. But they had the ambition to elevate their position, to have a higher position among God's people. This was a position that God did not assign to them. So this was something of their own desire to have something for themselves. This is ambition. This is a terrible thing that is in the fallen nature of man. Well, this rebellion, or uh, which really is rooted in, as you pointed out, in ambition, manifests itself in the Bible, both before this event, as we talked earlier, and now we'll see following in this coming portion, we're going to see even in the New Testament. And here it's couched as a, a power struggle, a struggle for power. Uh, I've selected a couple of verses here in Matthew just to illustrate the same thing is going on even among the disciples. In chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. Of course, we know that that was who would sit on the right hand and who would sit on the left hand of the Lord in the kingdom. And then verse 24, and hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. The problem persists on into the New Testament. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Now, the cause of the rebellion, the struggle for position and power. In the situation of power struggle, the only one that can judge it and expose the real factor is God himself. So, Moses was the deputy or delegated authority. He referred the case 
to the highest authority. He didn't fight with their rivals, but he brought all the rivals to God. The God judge, the God speak, the God expose the real situation. This matter of ambition, ambition for position and power, is always a gopher to uh, God's people. And this gopher really damages God's plan and also kills God's people. You read these chapter 16, you could see what the trouble was there. I admire at Moses' boldness. These rebels were not just attacking him, they were really rebel against him as the authority arranged by God. Well, we must keep in mind this matter of ambition for power is right in ourselves, right in our blood. It is in our blood. We all have to be careful about such a gopher within us. You see, even the first generation of the followers of Christ, what was their trouble there? All the time, this power struggle. At the very crucial time, the Lord Jesus was going to Jerusalem. While on the way, the Lord Jesus told the disciples that he was going to be killed. Do you believe they heard that? They didn't care for that. They were still for power struggle. Who will be bigger? You see, who will be bigger? Right? If you read Acts with all the epistles, you could see these things from the very first day was there in the church life. Ananias and Sapphira, that lying couple, for what? Apparently, they were not lying for power struggle. Actually, they were. They were. They like to be more important, right? They like to be greater. They like to be higher. What was that? That's power struggle. Then, at the end of all the epistles, there was one in the church mentioned by John struggling for power. According to the entire history of Christianity, the history is just a history of power struggle. Bob, the whole history of Christianity is this story repeated again and again. One thing that touched me this time listening to his speaking, their attack against Moses really wasn't an attack just against Moses. They were attacking what God had arranged, and that's the trouble with rebellion. That's what's behind it all the time, isn't it? Yes, it is, Chris. Rebellion attacks God's government, God's own arrangement for his government among mankind. God had arranged that Moses and Aaron would be his deputy authorities among the children of Israel. But the rebellion in the nature of the children of Israel attacked that authority. Of course, we can trace this all the way back to the initial rebellion in the entire universe. This is the rebellion of Satan or Lucifer, the archangel against God himself. This was a direct rebellion against God and his divine authority, his divine right to rule the universe, Lucifer should have been content with the high position that God had 
a sign to him, the chief among all the angels. He was the archangel, but he wanted something more. He wanted to have his throne on the same level as God's throne. So he carried out a rebellion. And it's interesting to see that a number of the angels followed him. And these became the rulers and the authorities in the heavenlies that are operating over the earth to create and foment rebellion among the human race. Now, when you look at the condition of the human race today, what do you see? Power struggle is everywhere. Power struggle is in the workplace. Power struggle is in politics. Power struggle, the struggle to gain more power, more recognition, more prominence, a higher position, discontent with what we already have. We want more. We want more for ourselves. Eventually, this power struggle touches God's universal government among mankind. So this is why it is so serious, and God has to deal with it in such a severe way. Yeah, this is the problem. It normally affects those, as we're seeing, close to the top directly, but the indirect effect on God's people at large is where the real damage is done. Well, Bob, we have one segment left. Uh, We're going to see how this progressive rebellion, first these three close to the top rebelling, affecting then 250 and eventually all of the people, and God's judgment is brought in. Here's Witness Lee. According to the present situation of the world, we can see God's government standing there. Everything is under him, and everything is up to him, and everything is in his hand. Now, this judgment is threefold. Korah gathered all the assembly against Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and this forced God to appear in his glory to all the assembly. This was not a small thing, right? All of a sudden, the earth opened, opened like two doors, and swallowed up the people. This was really something. America, in a very, very negative sense, probably, through the history, there had never been such a kind of punishment. Now, the second thing was that from each tribe of the twelve, well-known leaders, they participated in the rebellion. There was quite something there. Then fire came down from God himself and consumed the 250 men while they were offering incense. This is the second aspect of God's judgment. To our thinking, after these two aspects of judgment, every one of the children of Israel should be subdued. But the next verse is the next day, the whole congregation, the whole assembly, rebel against Moses. Could you believe? I just couldn't believe such a thing did happen. By the way, God's glory appeared in the cloud that covered the tent of meeting to consume the whole congregation, sending the plague to kill them, and 14,700 were killed. This is the third aspect. Three steps, miraculous judgment from God, one by the earth, one by the fire from God, one by the germs within the people as a plague, right? 
each one, to my opinion, was good enough. But to my surprise, my goodness, after all the three judgments, in chapter 17, the people are still there complaining. What is this? After reading all these things, we have just to have a kind of holy fear toward God. We have to bow down ourselves, to humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, just have mercy upon me. Nothing else. It's all a mercy. Only your mercy can preserve me and can keep me all the time in your grace. Well, Bob, there's a lot here we can fellowship about, but our time is short. I, I am just uh, struck by the sobriety and the, the gravity of this whole matter and how much we have to echo and even pray ourselves this prayer he uttered at the end. We need God's mercy to save ourselves from such a fate, don't we? We certainly do, Chris. Although we see rebellion everywhere in the world, the sad thing is that we see it also among the people of God. This is the damaging thing. Rebellion damages God's people. Ambition damages God's people. Power struggle damages God's people because it disrupts the order in God's government among them, and it invites God's judgment upon them. Here we have different kinds of judgment of God upon the rebels. We see how serious this matter really is. I appreciate the use of the word gopher. Rebellion is a gopher, like a gopher. It's under the surface. A gopher is an animal who hides himself under the surface of the earth and rarely appears above the earth. But you can see the damage that he does when he does appear above the earth. So rebellion is like a gopher. It's in our fallen nature, the fallen nature of every man, which we received from Satan through Adam's fall is a nature full of rebellion. This is why we need the Lord's mercy. Even though we are God's people, we have to fear this matter of rebellion that's right within our very selves. Because rebellion, unlike any other kind of failure among God's people, invites his severe judgment. This is why we need to pray, as Witness Lee prayed, that the Lord would have mercy on us and keep us all the time in his grace so that we would not become victims of the rebellion that is in our very nature. Also, we need to realize that we have to accept the judgment of the cross on our rebellious nature. This judgment is typified by these judgments that God poured out on the rebels. God judged the rebels and the rebellion that was in them. This shows that God has judged the rebellion that's in our nature through the cross of Christ. Nothing can subdue the rebellion in our nature. No kind of miracles God does, no kind of teachings that we might receive even from the Bible. Nothing can subdue this strong and perverse element in our nature, this element of rebellion. Only the cross of Christ can deal with it, and we need to experience the cross. So we need the Lord's mercy, we need the Lord's grace, and we need the operation of the Lord's cross. We should always beware that this gopher lurks within our fallen nature and may cause damage to us 
and to many of God's people. Of course, Brother Chris, there's much more we could say about this matter among God's people, but may the Lord have mercy on us all. Well, Bob, we'll leave it at that point. There's a lot of words that could be spoken. I think we heard a lot. I think the Lord shined some in all of us. Uh, No one, if certainly the children of Israel, after all they had witnessed and been part of, had this much trouble, it's a strong indication this is a problem that none of us escape. So we do need his mercy and his grace. Appreciate your fellowship, Bob. We'll come back another time when we have a a lighter topic or something with uh, 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 that ends on a real encouraging note, but we need this kind of word from time to time, and I appreciate your willingness to join us for this fellowship. Yes, Chris, it's good to be with you, and I look forward to the time when we will be together again. Let me leave you with our toll-free number. We're out of time. It's one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. If you'll contact us, we can tell you about how to receive the printed messages uh, and other resources we have available here at Living Stream. Please call us and join us again tomorrow for another life study from the Book of Numbers. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.